I don't know about you, when I'm looking for a plumber, I like to read my reviews. HomeAdvisor.com gave me some reviews on our sponsor, Art of Plumbing. Called them. They arrived on time. Immediately found the plumbing issue and fixed it right the first time. I called them last year and it was great. I called them again this year because I had a problem again. They came out, they fixed the problem. They even gave me solutions to help stop the problem in the future at 541-9405. Hey, come take a walk with me. Not like you used to do. Do something different and put yourself in other people's shoes. Open up your mind and open up your eyes and change your direction. Change your perspective. Welcome into Other People's Shoes. As you know, I am your host, Neil Matthews. Thank you so much for joining us today. Some people may call it the month of crazy. I myself, I'm not going to call it that. I'm not even going to stoop to that level. No, I'm actually going to call it what we all want to call it, right? It's the month of love. So are you loving someone today? Are you showing generosity to someone today? Now, I know some of us, when we think of generosity, we think, oh, it's Thanksgiving. No, no, no. Let me retrain you on this. It should really be the month of February. So help me welcome in my guest, hailing from Hark the Herald Angels Sing from my beloved state. It is not the blue state. It's not a red state. It's a sky blue state. 33 years of marriage. He is a huge Tar Heels fan. He's going to tell you all about it. I'm telling you right now. He was a missionary for 20 years in a wonderful country that I am becoming more and more in love with, and he's going to help my love affair with this country. I'm sure of it today. 20 years of serving as a missionary in India for Global Hope India. He's the executive director. In fact, this is staggering to me. He has raised over $6 million, and he's been to India 51 times. Hopefully, he flew first class. Hopefully, my brother's not riding in the coach or the economy. He's flying first class 51 times been to India. And he just came out with a new book recently that I'm super excited not only to talk about, but hopefully get in your hands. Hailing from Morrisville, North Carolina, my friend, and hopefully your new friend, Kevin White. Kevin, how are you today? Hey, Neil. Thank you so much. It's good to be on the show. I'm doing great. How hope you are. Absolutely. What Was that enough of a rock star welcome? Did we do okay on that? Wow. Yes. I definitely feel the, the love and the rock star treatment. Thank you for the red carpet. Okay, good. Well, I was just going to say, we got out the, we got a, I think we're, we got a Dyson out now. So we, we vacuumed out the carpet with the Dyson. Mm-hmm. We got rid of the Kirby, like kick Kirby to the curb. I don't know how I did that, but kick Kirby to the curb. But anyway, I want to ask you this question, Kevin, before we go too far, what size shoes <laughs> do you wear? Ah, that's an interesting question. I wear, I wear size nine and a half, triple E. We call them duck feet in our family. I got them from my father and I've given them to my children. Very wide, short, stubby feet, duck feet. Nine and a half, triple E. Gotcha. Nine and a half, triple E. Uh, I'm not even sure. I'm, I, I mean, there's so many things we could say to that, but, uh, but I'm not, right? I'm not. Is there a certain brand or style that you like more than another? <laughs> um, I, I wear Adidas. I'm a Adidas king. And I love Adidas shoes. I love shoes that don't require any type of tie-up. You just slip them on and take them off. So that is the one pair of shoes that I really struggle with. And uh, that's the slide-on shoes. 
I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I, I really don't. Like, people are like, you really have some shoe issues, Neil. Like, you only have certain brands that you'll wear. It's just true. There's like three or four brands that I'll wear. I wear Adidas. I wear Asics. I wear Jordans. There's another brand. Every now and then I'll sneak on a pair of New Balance. Okay, stop it. We use you new, new, new Balance people, okay? But I did wear Adidas for a long time in mm-hmm. high school. Like, that was my brand. In fact, I showed up for, for mm-hmm. cross-country practice my junior year of high school. And my coach looked at me as I'm headed to an Adidas, and he goes, is someone getting sponsored? And my response was, Coach, you know my times. Ain't nobody going to sponsor this. <laughs> so that's kind of a fun story. Yeah. I'm blessed to have shoes from around the world. And a couple of years ago, I actually tried um, a uh, shoelace-less shoe for the first time, and I've never gone back. Um, I just love slipping them on. Uh, they're light. Um, it's almost like a sock with a um, shoe bottom on it, and um, they're they're awesome. And now that's all I pretty Did much. Did we settle on where you're wear. taking us out to if we come out to visit you? I know you're near that Raleigh area. Where where are we going to come hang out? What what fun are yeah, we going to go do? So we're yeah. So Morrisville is a suburb of Raleigh, and we're right in the middle of Research Triangle Park. So you, we we have an incredible like it's been on Money Magazine, Fortune Magazine, around all these um, notar- notary uh, notable um, achievements of one of the best places to live. Uh, we've got Raleigh, we've got Durham, and we've got Chapel Hill, um, all within thirty minutes of one another, and that creates a triangle. And so knowing that your blood runs Carolina blue, we would definitely start off um, there at uh, the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill and see Franklin Street and the Ding Dome and all of the great places there in Carolina. Have you been to the Ding Dome before and watched a basketball game? We probably shouldn't talk about that because I might might break out in tears. Uh, so I've seen Carolina in oh. Vegas. I have seen Carolina mm-hmm. in Portland. And uh, mm-hmm. I wanted to go see Carolina last year when they were playing Gonzaga in Spokane. And uh, that mm-hmm. didn't happen. So um, mm-hmm. I have never physically seen the Dean Dome where I could touch it, mm-hmm. smell it, mm-hmm. and roll around on the ground. <laughs> I know all those sounds weird to yeah. people, but... I I just love I love Dean Smith and I love his leadership and I mm-hmm. love everything that he built at Carolina. I just absolutely do. Yeah. And people tease me all the time about it. They're like, mm-hmm. how can you be from Oregon and be this obsessed with Carolina? And I said, Well, when you find a great thing, when you find an amazing, mm-hmm. you know, mentor and an amazing coach and amazing leadership style, you cannot help but follow that. Mm-hmm. And and so with that yeah. Uh, Kevin, I'm just curious, how did you bring that leadership, maybe that style similar to Dean Smith to the India people? Mm, Wow. Um, uh, He he just really instituted a confidence um, of just um, taking and putting Carolina on the map because of of his life and his personality and his leadership. And so I hope that um, at my memorial, people will really remember the country of India because of my life and my personality, my leadership uh, has really elevated um, the, the people of India in their, in their mind. 
And I think Dean Smith's done that definitely for the University of North Carolina. Can we just skip on our tour? Could we just skip over that city that you named <laughs> that starts with a D that I'm not even gonna that I'm not even gonna oh. say? <laughs> I do. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna have to beep out what you said there. <laughs> yeah. You were kind of swearing on my show. Now yeah. I'm gonna have to mark it explicit. Yeah, Thanks a lot, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, we're in the Research Triangle Park, and we have Chapel Hill, and we have B. Exactly. And we have Raleigh. <laughs> But you don't really well, care for Raleigh either. You no, know, I mean they're not as bad. I don't. I don't think of North them as Carolina a rival. State but University. anyway, we could talk hoops all day. I'm sure. Yeah. So, so I asked this question too because uh, we said at the onset, which one day somebody will actually get to hear my pre-show stuff. Maybe I don't know. I'm still always embarrassed by pre-show mm-hmm. stuff because it's that awkward kind of get to know you that mm-hmm. I that I love to do. But, but I shared with you, and I don't mind sharing this publicly now. My second country outside of the United States, as far as listenership, downloads, things of that nature, is India. And and I love the fact that Eric Nevins, first off, Eric Nevins uh, connected you and I together. And, and I want to give Eric a little shout out right now. Halfway there, guys, go check it out. Amazing podcast. Eric's a great host and a great mentor of mine. Kind of a, a level of a Dean Smith, really. Just a great coach, great, uh, great advisor. So uh, thank you, Eric, for connecting uh, Kevin and I today. But, but I, I say that you, because the India stuff in my mind, and, and this is where it gets maybe a little weird for some, but I actually started praying, God, will you send me someone who could help me understand the people of India better? Because again, this country, for whatever reason, likes other people's shoes. It is the, as I alluded to, it is mm-hmm. the second most downloaded country I have outside of the United States. It is the second largest, you know, country as far as downloads go for the show. And I really started praying, and, and it was an earnest prayer. I said, God, could you send me somebody to help me understand the people of India better, that I could walk in their shoes mm-hmm. better, that I could understand their plight, that I could understand their perspective on India. And lo and behold, Eric emails me and says, hey, I got this guy. Uh, he came out with this really amazing book. It's really cool. I think you're going to love it. By the way, he's been a missionary in India. Now, Eric doesn't know about my prayer, full disclosure. Eric knows nothing mm-hmm. of my prayer. In fact, mm-hmm. no one knows about my prayer. You know about it, and I know about it. That's it. And now our mm-hmm. our friends and, and mm-hmm. those who listen to this episode will know about it. But help me understand mm-hmm. the people of India that I may never I, I may never go there 51 times like you did, right? I may never get that opportunity. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But but what calls mm-hmm. you to India? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, 20 years ago, when I first went on my first mission trip over to India, at that time, I don't know of, I don't remember any people from India living in North Carolina. And now we are actually recording this and I'm sitting in Mooresville, North Carolina, where the largest minority in Mooresville is the Indian population and things have radically changed. And so I look back and I really just see the sovereign hand of God to take me as a follower of Christ over to India to really almost spiritually open up my chest and impart his love for the people of India into it, and then really call me to purpose my life um, that more people in India could hear about Jesus. And so I've really spent my life on mission with that intent. 
And it's funny that, that we're talking about other people's shoes because I literally say God used India to change my life because I saw orphans on that first trip that didn't even have a pair of shoes. I've said that probably thousands of times, tens of thousands of times, orphans that didn't have a pair of shoes, didn't have a toothbrush, but if they knew the presence of God, they exhibited true joy. And I was going to come back to my own PK kids um, that had all of the happy meals of life and lacked that kind of joy that I witnessed in India. And um, so, you know, I obviously love uh, the people of India and I I love the country of India and I can't wait to take you to India. Uh, You can't be around me long. Like I'm, I'm, I'm annoying to people because when we used to be able to get on a plane and go internationally before this pandemic, that would be um, almost like the virus of of the last 20 years was if you get around Kevin, you're going to end up on a plane going to India with him because uh, he's just going to annoy you to the point that you're willing to go uh, to India. It's not that difficult. Most people really um, look forward to going over on a mission trip and it has been life-changing and by by the grace of God, I've taken a thousand people. And I believe after this pandemic and international travel opens back up, we're going to take many more thousands in the years. That's to fantastic. Come. Uh, I had a, I had the fortunate pleasure of sitting down with uh, a gal by the name of Tracy and Tracy, uh, her and her husband are uh, the co-founders of Samaritan's feet. I don't know if you know that, but uh, they are in your neck of the woods, to be honest with you. They're in the Charlotte mm-hmm. area. Uh, mm-hmm. They run an organization called Samaritan's Feet. And there's a crazy story behind how they got started mm-hmm. and all that. But they purpose in life to give every child a pair of shoes. Not only a pair of shoes, but a pair of socks mm-hmm. because they believe that those are the two key essentials have a better life. But it's interesting to me mm-hmm. that you talk about these kids in India without shoes. And immediately that's that's what I think about. I think about Samaritan's Feet being able to be there and to give shoes to people. So just kind of a cool connection there, especially with the Carolina connection. What what do you think the greatest struggle the people of India are encountering on a day-to-day basis? Could you help me understand that as well? Yeah. So, okay. Um, one of the obvious related to um, my mission as far as um, everyone hearing about Jesus is just the absence of the gospel there. Like in North Carolina, I live in the Bible Belt. Every other corner, there's a church here. And there, um, you know, statistically in the U.S., one in a, uh, there is a believer for every one and a half people. In India, there's a believer for every 18,000 people. And you can literally go miles and miles and miles past village after village after village, and there'll be no steeple, no church, no pastor, no missionary uh, in, in those villages. Um, there is something happening in the heavenlies related to just modern technology. And even in the midst of the pandemic, you're, you're an example of it as well, how the global airwaves are really bringing the globe together. Technologies, God's really using technology. There's more people able to watch um, the worship services of Christian churches in India online than ever before in the history of the world and to get uh, get podcasts like yours and mine and others. Um, and so the content of the gospel is, is going out there. India leads the world um, in a lot of things. Um, you know, you're, it's interesting that your second download country is from India. India leads the world in um, 
and piracy of of stealing movies and um, and things like that. But they lead they lead the world in HIV. Um, they lead the world in leprosy. We read about leprosy in the Bible, and we don't see a, a speck of leprosy in the USA at all. And yet there's still over a thousand leper colonies in India. This is a disease that has been long eradicated by 80% of the globe, but yet it's still a very present reality in India. Well, that's because their sanitation um, quality is much lower uh, than, or yeah, than ours. Um, And so, um, they lead the world in, um, in uh, human trafficking. Um, they lead the world in orphans. Half of the world's orphans live in India. 43 million orphans worldwide, 26 million of those call India home. Um, there are more children living on the streets of India than in any other streets on planet Earth uh, around the globe. And, and so there's just more human need there. I mean, they're, they're second to China in the world population, 1.3 billion people. Just to put that in perspective, that is four times the U.S. population, and they have one-third of the U.S. landmass. It's a little bit larger than the state of Texas, and so um, you can go anywhere by plane pretty much in two hours in India, uh, crisscross in India. Uh, once you get to India, you can go anywhere you want to within two hours for the most part. And, and yet they have four times the population in the U.S., uh, which is just mind boggling. You can't really comprehend that many people until you are on the roads of India and you see six lanes and what we would call two lanes. And it's all of these bikes and motorcycles and cows and wagons and buses and trucks and cars and nice beamers now um, uh, all sharing the same road. And until even in uh, the last four to five years, they they had no traffic pattern for the most part, and there would be all of these endless traffic jams, and then finally the government stepped in and um, really studied the engineering of how to get people moving in India, and India has been moving better than ever before in its history as far as the, the roads go and traffic goes. Yeah, I appreciate that. In fact, I was actually Googling that as you were talking about because I thought, man, what is the population of India? And you hit it right on the head. So this is, of course, uh, Google according to uh, 2018. So obviously we're a little behind on our stats perhaps, or Google is. So they have it at 1.353 billion people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Phenomenal. And and I did hear it was about the size of Texas. So uh, I appreciate you clarifying that Mm -hmm. for me as well. So help me understand this. Because for me, there are, there are events in my life that dramatically changed me, right? The birth of my daughter, my wedding day, uh, you know, when I became a pastor, uh, when I started my podcast. Those are some kind of dramatic dates. Uh, okay, maybe not starting my podcast was so dramatic. I'm sorry. <laughs> but seeing Carolina win the national championship, dramatic. Like I wept over that day when they beat Gonzaga. Horrific day of losing to Villanova was there a moment or was there a time period or was there was there a a pinprick in your mind 
that really changed your life forever for India? Was it the first visit? Was it the 51st visit? I mean, where in that time frame did your life forever get changed by India? I talk about it in my book, but I, I shared, there's been like two halves of my life. One, I was raised in a, um, in a Christian family in rural North Carolina and was called into the ministry whenever I was 17 years old. And I, I um, answered God's call into the ministry and went to Bible college and took my degree and began to, to minister. And I really had a misunderstanding in my own theology about um, the priorities of a personal relationship with God. And because of traumas in my childhood, I really entered into the ministry with a philosophy that God wanted me to do great things for him. And I ended up working as a workaholic for God for so many years. And I even started a church and bled, sweat, and teared over this church for three years, only for them to fire me uh, three years into it. And, And there was no immorality, no embezzling of funds or anything like that. It was just because I was a maniac out of control and I was trying to do good things for God, but I wasn't resting. And I really was, was dry. I drove the, the leaders of this church crazy to the point that they released me as their pastor. And it was two months later that I'm on a plane to go to India. No small coincidence. And God really used that trip to, to really teach me the priority of his presence. So before I had been fired, I remember journaling um, over and over for the power of God in my life, for the peace of God in my life. And, and yet I never, it never clicked on to me that those come through the presence of God. And so on my plane ride back from India, I'd seen enough of the presence of God in India. I drove, I drew two crosses in my journal. And on one cross, I just wrote things that God brought to mind, good things that I have been pursuing my whole life, success to do a great thing for God, influence, all of those things. And on the other cross, I drew another cross and the Holy Spirit just led me to write the presence of God. And it really became central that I would spend the rest of my life pursuing his presence Uh, above and beyond everything else. And that's when the fruit, you know, we read the verse, uh, abide in me and you will bear much fruit. That's when the fruit began to happen. I have been striving to the point of nearly killing myself, my family, my marriage to bear fruit that would come so naturally as I would just pursue the presence of God. And so it really, um, I'm really, I found a a level of freedom in Christ uh, through that, that I didn't have to, I didn't have to preach again. I didn't have to tithe. I didn't have to go on a mission trip and God still loved me the same. And all of a sudden ministry went from a have to, to a get to, Uh, you mean I, I get to preach. I get to tithe. I get to go on a mission trip. And, and this ministry that I never wrote a business plan for called Global Hope India just began to happen as a byproduct of my, um, of, of my pursuing the presence of God. 
And all of these miracles began to happen. My parents never held a passport. And now I've traveled over a million miles to 27 different countries, been to India 51 times, taken a thousand people with me, raised $6 million for God's work. And that's really what brought about this this book, Audacious Generosity, of, of really witnessing that uh, that the, the strategy of God is to uh, has always been audacious generosity. His mission is Jesus and his plan to do to accomplish that is, is audacious generosity from John 3:16 for God so loved that he gave. And you you open the show with that and as you were opening the show I, I was just thinking John 3:16 you know but yet I've been to Bible college I've, I've been in church my whole life four decades now following Christ and I don't remember a whole lot of teaching, about this strategy of audacious generosity for God so loved that he gave. And now I, now I see it because the fulfilling the great commission is as impossible as feeding the 15,000 in the feeding of the multitude. There is no human way to accomplish this, but God's got a strategy called audacious generosity. And, and so as more and more believers live with audacious generosity, we are going to see the great commission fulfilled. I love that a lot. I think I know for me personally, being generous is, is a struggle. Mm-hmm. It is a hundred percent struggle. Yeah. It's a struggle to tithe sometimes because my heart might not be in it. You know, scripture clearly says, be a cheer, be a cheerful giver. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. People don't like to give away money. Yeah. Very often. I talk about that in the book. We love everything about generosity until it becomes uh, open up your wallet and give. <laughs> if it's giving somebody else's money away, I could do that all day long. I, I could do that. I could give Bill Gates money away all day long. Yes. You know, uh, Bezos from, from uh, Amazon, I, I could give his his money away all day long yes. too. Yes. Give yeah. my $20 away though? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, that's where it's I don't stings. know about that. I, I don't want to let go of that, Mr. Uh, Mr. Andrew Jackson, I don't, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to give where, that Lincoln up. That's what I bring out in audacious generosity. The, the, the opportunity God has given each and every one of us is it's not about from us, it's through us. And flipping it from the from to the through is life-changing. And once you realize that giving is what God puts in your hands, and that's all he's asking you to do is make your hands available for the great commission, there's no limit to what he can do through you. Um, and just realizing God is the giver. I mean, like I've been in services, I have probably preached messages that made people think that I thought they were the giver. And I, you know, this, I, I really believe this is a revolutionary book in that it is identifying that God is the giver. It's not, it's not the people in the church that are givers. We will, we will, we will never be able to, to give in the capacity that is required to fulfill the great commission. Um, but God likes nothing. He is so kind and plentiful. And the more we realize that, you know, like just one, one quick principle is we've all heard, you just said it, cheerful giver. We've all had that rubbed in our face. God loves a cheerful giver. Well, what do we, how do we deal with that if we're not cheerful about giving? Okay, well, I've already failed. And so we're just like, okay, well, whenever it comes to giving, I'm a failure. I'm not going to be cheerful about it. I'm a failure. Well, the reality is we will never know someone more cheerful 
about giving than God. And until we experience him on that level, you know, there's been layers of my experience with God. I remember experiencing Jesus. I remember experiencing the Father. I remember even experiencing the Holy Spirit and experience him as comfort and on and on and on. And I really believe 2021, it's time to experience God as the giver and a cheerful giver. He, he wants nothing more. Matthew 7, 11 is one of my prayer points. I pray this over and over. If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your heavenly father love to give good gifts to those who ask to his children? There'll be no more cheerful giver than our heavenly father. Well, I think father. that's the key, right? So I want to get yeah. into something really quick, uh, a little segue if we can. You talk about your ministry yeah, life sure. and you talk about kind of stepping away from that and, and leaving the church that you were pastoring. And that's probably, probably a, I, I would imagine, a very painful situation. So here's my question. Mm. Okay. So here's my question. Yeah. Okay. And this is going to sound a little yeah. weird. But do you think at all your position in that church ever became an idol for you? Hmm. I definitely look back and see that. Uh, as a church planner, creating a church would be something that I would idolize um, in that I would devote my focus to it, my attention to it, even my love for it. And, and, and I think it's a temptation of all of us to worship what has been created instead of the creator. And, you know, um, it was after after all this, and I went to India that I really began to realize what that verse means. Unless the Lord builds the house, they who labor labor in vain. And and our pursuit is always to be of Him, and and our love to be for Him, and our passion to be for Him. And the church is just one of those creations. It's not the Creator. Well, the reason why I asked that question that way, and, and first off, thanks for answering that and, and being honest on that, is is I think, and, and I think there are those that, that would maybe echo this, I would hope, that if there's an idol in my life, if there's an idol in your life, and that's stopping me from doing what I'm ultimately called to do, I got to get rid of it. And, in, and And once I get rid of it, it almost is like this, this, open door happens. This line of communication then can can begin to flow back and forth. The river has not been dammed, right? It has not been blocked. The stream has not been stopped. And so what I'm wondering is once that idol, if it was an idol in your life, got out of the way, God's now like, hey, Kevin, I don't know if you know this or not, but I have this amazing thing for you. But you can't get to there yet because you have this in your life. You can't be a generous giver because you have this thing in your life that you can't get rid of. That the only way you get rid of it is if you submit it to me, nail it back to that cross and get rid of it, then I have this amazing thing for you. It's so amazing that it's gonna blow your mind. Because again, I think if you, and again, help me with this, but I think if I would have talked to you roughly, I don't know, 40 years ago, roughly, maybe. And I said, Hey, uh, Kevin, I'm from 2021. My name's Neil. I have this crazy podcast called other people's shoes. I'm obsessed with North Carolina. Maybe we, we joke about that for a few minutes. And I'm going to tell you, you're going to go to India 51 times. You would have thought I was crazy. 
and probably mm-hmm. try to get me admitted yeah, to, ago, was... to some kind of psychiatric ward, right? <laughs> I was 13 years old. Right. <laughs> I probably would have used a four-letter word it, in response. But, but that's my point, right? But but what if, what if God had you on that track all along, but for whatever reason you had this thing, whether it be an idol, whether it be a, you know, whatever it may be, there was this hindrance in your way. I mean, am I wrong on that? Um, no, no, not at all. I think, I think as I'm listening to you um, and, and you're prodding here, um, it wasn't so much the church as it was the box of being a minister of the gospel. Um, and for me, it would be that, word pastor. Um, you know, I, I was trying to be what I was seeing in front of me and what God wanted to do through me couldn't really be confined to a box. And I wanted to be in that traditional box so bad. Uh, even as a church planter, I was, I was under so much pressure to be like the Rick Warren story that I had heard and the Bill Heibel story that I had heard and the Jim Simbla story that I had heard. And, and I thought that's what doing something great for God was. And, um, and, and it wasn't until I, I accepted that if I'm never known, if I, if I never am uh, remembered for doing anything great for God, it doesn't matter as long as my heavenly father declares me great because of his grace. And, and I really, by, by leaving that staff pastor uh, position is a great church and a great opportunity. And they really were used to be a launching pad for global hope India. Um, But as I stepped out in faith, I really stepped out into a more of a church without walls and, and what I'm getting at is more of a pastorate without walls. Um, it couldn't be, it couldn't be easily defined. It, it, and, and, and it became okay with me because, because my purpose for life all of a sudden was just to pursue his presence. And that made things uber simple. And it took away a lot of the false pressures I've been putting on myself. My heavenly father was never saying you need to be like Rick Warren or you need to be like Bill Hybers or Jim Simler or anyone else. He had never pressured me. I was putting all that because that, that's what really I was allowing the church to put on me. Um, but that was what greatness looked like. I love like that you came to that into yourself in a sense that it does not hang on what you are or what your name looks like is when I was pastoring, that's all I cared about. I cared about it that it said Pastor Neil. I cared about the title more than I cared about being the shepherd. And so God's like, really? Huh. Care more about the title than my sheep. Well, I got news for you. I'm going to take that away from you, and it's going to hurt. So I'm going to hold up something. Now, those that are on the audio, they can't see this. I'm going to see if I can get that in the right thing. But I'm holding up this uh, object on my desk that I look at each and every day, and it is this uh, kind of trophy-looking thing, if you will, and it has this gold box on it. And inside the box, there's actually no walls. I can stick my hand in all four corners, top, bottom, left, right, side to side, everything. And it says, thinking out of the box. And as you're talking and you're describing, I just want to just show you this because I think that's what it's going to take in 2021. It's going to take us 
not only you, me, I'm, we're the us in this conversation right now, but it's going to take us thinking outside the box to not only minister, to reach, to teach, to disciple, to do all those crazy cool things that we love to do, right? It's going to take that out-of-the-box thinking, and I love that you're kind of already on that mindset. But my question to you is, even though we can have out-of-the-box thinking, even though it's going to take that, there's got to be something in India that I think broke your heart to the point that keeps you coming back. What was that heartbreaking moment? On that first trip, I did pray a prayer that I look back and I really see the impact of that prayer because I'd seen orphans without shoes and without toothbrushes and I'd saw churches without um, Bibles and without budgets and bulletins. Um, I prayed, God, let me bring all three of my kids to, uh, to India to see your work here in India. And by the grace of God, our whole family has gone over and served in India at various times and together. And, um, and, and I, I really look back and just see how God answered that prayer. And that's probably been the fuel for me going, going back. What keeps me going back is, is just um, the reality that there are so many people still alive on planet earth that have never heard about Jesus. And you can go to whole villages in India and ask them who is Jesus. And they say, I have no clue what you're talking. Never heard that. Never heard his name. And uh, that seems so foreign to us. We feel like, you know, that is as, as common as, um, you know, uh, Amazon is or whatever, you know, we have recently heard of and seen grow uh, here. Um, but there, statistically, there's 7 billion people alive, 4 billion have access to hear about the gospel, and 3 billion still have limited to no access. And uh, one of those billion call India home. India is right in the middle of what we would call or refer to as the 1040 window. And, um, and so I just feel, um, at times I wrestle with the Lord, how do I get to know about Jesus and live in the U S with so much luxury. And yet there's a billion people in India that have never even heard yet. Um, you know, I can hold multiple Bibles at any given time. And there are a billion people in India that have never held a Bible. And I just, you know, in writing the book, audacious generosity, uh, I've, I've seen, for God so loved that he gave. And that has just really been um, a drumbeat in my life for the last 20 years. I've seen the power of generosity. I've seen how a free medical clinic can allow the gospel to go into a village that would never allow a church to come in um, or even a volleyball camp um, to go into a uh, villages that would never allow a church. And it's, and it's been the generosity of the church that has really uh, taken the gospel forward. And uh, I, I see that as, as God's strategy from the very beginning. You know, I've done a study of the Old Testament, and you can really see that God was the giver and that he was giving. And it, 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 it spread his presence. And in the life of Jesus, the 37 recorded miracles of, of Jesus— 
every one of them have God giving something. He turned water into wine. He he gave water at a he gave wine at a wedding. He gave sight to the blind. He healed the woman with bleeding, and on and on and on. It's God being the giver, and all throughout the the New Testament and in twenty twenty one, God is the giver, and He used His audacious generosity to extend His presence on the earth, and so. We, we exist, Global Hope India exists to give access to those that don't yet have access to hear about Jesus. And that's what we will continue to do. And it's just a passion that will not go away. I just, I can't go to sleep at night and not wake up the next morning and do something about it. Um, and I'm grateful for a God that empowers us to be able to have these opportunities to watch him work like that. That's fantastic stuff. So, couple of things as we as we start to wrap up I think you answered this but maybe more succinctly why should I why should anyone care really about India because let's face it I mean they're they're I mean how long does a plane ride take okay so uh, 24, a full 24 hours. hours so it takes us a full yeah. 24 hours to get mm-hmm. to India right with all of our little stops along yeah. the way mm-hmm. but why should someone care about India because they're like you said they're they're 24 hours away from us plane ride like they're kind of out of sight, out of mind, but, but why should we care for them? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because God cares. Um, I've been talking about John three sixteen. Well, the word actually says for God, so love the world. And if your world, um, isn't, isn't only your current neighborhood, um, then you're really missing, um, part of, God's love for the other parts of the world. And India is a part of, of the world that he created for God. So love the world. That's the U S that's Japan. That's India as well. And all, all the countries and even revelation seven, nine through um, 12 gives us a picture of what the, how the story is going to end. And it says that there were people there in heaven uh, before the throne, worshiping Jesus of every nation every tribe, every tongue. And the U.S. has been very fortunate to have exposure to the gospel. And our gratitude is is going to be best witnessed as we share that with others. And uh, India has not been as fortunate as the U.S. and as some other countries. And that whole 1040 window is where most of the 3 billion people that have limited access live. And so for God so loved the world, and if we're going to follow that God, then eventually we got to let him put that love for the world in us. Would you ever move there permanently? Ah, good question. And I wrestle with that because even going back to the stereotypical pastor, I looked at the stereotypical missionary, and that was pack your bags and go over. And I, I, it really took a while for God to get it through my thick skull that he wanted me to be um, – uh, in the USA so that I could, you know, take those thousand people over. If I just moved over to India, um, I, I probably would never have had a thousand people uh, that I'd taken over on mission trips with me and, and maybe even raised the amount of money that we've been able to, to raise. And we're just getting started there. But yeah, I, he's given me definitely clarity that my um, my location is the U.S. and my calling is India. And I have a foot in both countries at any given time and my heart in both countries at any given time. I love that. Do you know what uh, audacious means? Have you ever looked up that word? 
I have. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just a, um, a reckless abandonment, um, to, to, to give with risk in the context of audacious uh, generosity. I just Googled it. So, uh, so there we are. So showing an, uh, willingness to take, uh, surprisingly bold risks. I like that surprisingly bold risks because let's face it. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you. I mean, you're maybe the exception here, but jumping on a plane and being on a plane for 24 hours does not sound exciting to me. It does not. Unless we're in first class, might have a different story. But but I say that because that is that would me to me is a very surprisingly bold risk to do that. To have that kind of dual citizenship between the United States and India because really you're physically here, but your heart, mind, soul, energy efforts are really in India. Yeah, for sure. So why write the book? I mean, I've heard it said, I've had a number of uh, authors on, as you know, because uh, we have this amazing website called OPSpodcast.com where we put amazing books such as yours, Audacious Generosity, right at the top of our page. Well, sort of at the top of the page because as you pointed out, Dean Smith's book is at the top, and but it's towards the top. It's, it's right underneath Dean Smith's book, but but towards the top. But I see that because I've heard it said from authors who come on and say, there's a book inside of all of us. It's just down deep inside. You just have to get it out. I just had to share this story. Like, I hear that all the time, and I almost feel like, gee, shucks, here we go again. We're going to hear that. But tell me in your own words, why on earth would you create a book that really is challenging people to be generous? Why Why is that a passion lane for you? Yeah. So for me, it really turned into an assignment from God. And it's it's an interesting story that I really value um, in that now we know what 2020 looked looked like. Uh, but at that time, uh, in December of 2019, I began really feeling prodded that I was to spend the first quarter of 2020 writing a book. And I thought it was going to be on courage. And then I realized courage is what afforded me audacious generosity. So when you read the book, you're definitely going to see uh, God's gift of courage and how to take that gift of courage and, and how, as you take that courage, your experience is freedom and the byproduct of courage and freedom is audacious generosity. And so long before COVID-19 was in my vocabulary, I began sensing this prodding of the spirit to start writing. And I came back from India January the 7th, 2020, and I met with a communications coach January the 27th and 28th, and we laid out the chapters of the book, and I finished by May of 2020, turned it over to the publisher, and then it hit Amazon in November. And I, I look back and just see the geniusness of God in it. It's a great book. It's definitely been a gift to me, and I really believe it will be a gift uh, to um, to people around the world um, for years to come uh, that really desire to experience, receive, and give more than they ever thought possible. And it's not just a theory book on, on dreaming big. It really is practical and how to experience, receive, and give more than you ever thought possible. I don't know if that answered I, I think your it question. Did. No, I, I think it did. it did. No, a hundred percent. And, and so I would just challenge people on this. If you're not a Bible person. Okay, cool. I get that. Like not everyone that listens is probably a Bible person. 
But ask yourself this question, just as we as we wrap up. And I and and Kevin, I want to give you a final thought on this after I share my little little thing here. Okay, if you're if you you you'll be ready to respond hopefully. But what is one area that you can challenge yourself in this next year? Because for me, now I'm a Bible person. I've I've read the Bible a few times, all the way through. But there is one area in the Bible that maybe not a lot of people know about. And it's this area here. It says, challenge me in this. Test me in this. The scripture actually says, test me in this. And see if I don't hear from heaven and open the floodgates. And it's actually referring to your finances. Believe it or not, it's actually referring to your finances. So if you are a Bible-believing person and you are a person of faith and you're hearing me right now, I want to challenge you on this. Ask God to really pray into this and test your finances on this. And I know I just said the F word, finances. It's almost worse than that my, that school eight miles up the road from my beloved school. It's almost it's, it's of that same category. It's just when we talk about finances, like people immediately shut down. They don't want to hear anymore. But Kevin, why should people hear more? Why should people want to hear more? Yeah. I mean, Jesus gives us the promise. It's more blessed to give. Uh, we are more blessed when we give than when we receive. And it is an incredible blessing to receive. We all know it. Um, but yet we run away from giving. And if we only knew the treasures of God set apart for those that understand the gift of giving, every one of us would be running toward that. And I just encourage um, your audience and, and all of us uh, to, to really see an opportunity. Either we can resist this or we can run toward it. Why not run toward it? Why not put God to the test? It's really, you just said it, and it's the only area that he says, test me in this. He doesn't say that in any other area. So why not put him to the test? But why not do it in the context of it not being what's in your wallet, but it's, it's in what's in his heaven? and watch what happens to your wallet. Um, you know, I talk about the prosperity gospel and we're about to end the show and we're gonna, let's, let's do it with some, with some cliffhanger here. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, not, it's not about, um, you know, getting all the airplanes and all the houses and all the material possessions of life. Um, it's, it's really, you know, I define God's more in the book as more of himself and more for himself. Um, but don't you dare tell me the gospel is not prosperous. If, if it's not prosperous to be transformed from darkness into light, I don't know what prosperity is then. And I can't be around Jesus and he not prosper me. But it all boils down to our motives. If my motive is, to, is greedy and in order to get, that's all I'm going to receive. But if my motive is to give, there's no limit to what God can do through me and for me. And it's not an either or. I, I say it in the book. God's more is not a subtraction from you. It's a multiplication through you. And why not run toward it? Don't resist it anymore. Just make draw a line in the sand and say, I'm not going to resist giving anymore. I want to learn all I can and watch what happens. Well, I know Capital One has that had that great you know marketing strategy. What's in your wallet, right? What's in God's wallet? That should be your tagline. I just came up with that. 
What's in God's wallet? Because really what's in God's wallet is so much greater than what's what Capital One has to offer for you. So sorry, Capital One. Hopefully you won't ever uh, take away my sponsorship. So, uh, so Kevin, really quick, how can people get the book? I, I know it's, it's on our website right now, as I mentioned, books I love it's, it's there, but, but where else can they go to not only hear more about you and India and everything else? And, uh, and, and how can that happen? Yeah, the easiest is kevinwhite.us. Just go to Kevin, K-E-V-I-N, white, W-H-I-T-E, dot U-S. You'll see the charities there. You'll see the book there. Uh, you'll see a project called uh, the Generosity Award there. Uh, I'd love to connect with you. Absolutely. Obviously, the book is everywhere on Amazon and everywhere an ebook is available. The audiobook, everywhere audiobooks are available around the world. And I would recommend it. That's fantastic. Absolutely. So guys, we of course will link all of that in our show notes, guys and gals. Uh, so Kevin, uh, I don't know if Eric told you this or not, but we always play a game typically at the end of our show too. So you're up for a game, I hope. All right. So this is a game we like to call senseless. And so I'm just curious, how many senses do we have? Do you know that? Yes. Senses. Senses. How many senses do we have? Six. six <laughs> I think there's right? five, but 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 I've heard women have okay. six cents. So I might have tricked uh-huh. you on that one. So look at this. Does that does that, okay. does that warm your heart yeah. at all? I'm of course you guys can't see because we're on yeah. a zoom, but I am holding my <laughs> beloved North Carolina cup. And so inside this is a die. And so I'm gonna roll this because you're in I'm just gonna start saying Chapel Hill. I might as well. I mean, you're you're kind of close. So I'm gonna roll this, see what you get. Ooh. I love it when this happens. Number six. So there it is. So you did kind of kind of maybe predict it. Sort of. You said six senses. But anyway, so uh so here you go. You get to have a meal. So that's dinner, that's lunch, that's breakfast, maybe it's brunch, I don't know. But you get to have a meal with somebody. Money's no object, so you can go anywhere you want to eat. So maybe kind of think where you want to go to eat first and then answer this question. One person that you get to have a meal with, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Oh, my goodness. You should have prompted nope, me. Nope, no this. prompting. That's oh, why I do person, it. Dead or alive? Oh, dead? Yeah, dead or alive. Um, dead or alive? Um, I mean, you want to stay. I mean, most people say Jesus, but come on, Jesus, we're better than that, Kevin. I know you're better Paul, than that. Moses, yeah. Yeah, Billy okay. Graham. He's in your neck. Well, he was in your neck of the woods. He's in that Carolina area. Yeah. All right. So you have. So where yeah. are you going to eat with Billy Graham? What are you guys eating? Um. Well, here locally it would be the Angus Barn, but national national chain would be Bonefish. I don't care. How about it's that? You and Billy Graham. So yeah. So okay. So you're yeah. you're in this restaurant, right? You're sitting chilling with Billy Graham. I think you drink coffee. I don't know. He strikes me as a coffee guy. Maybe you're having a cup of coffee before your meal comes. What is the one thing you would ask Billy Graham? Wow. Um, his definition of success and his, his strategy for, um, for being successful. Why is that so important to you to know his strategy and, and, to, and to get his definition um, of success? Uh, because, I mean, I, I consider him to have lived a successful life and, um, and been successful, um, ran a successful ministry that continues even uh, today. 
um, that he would become America's pastor, pre, uh, pastor to so many presidents, um, and probably even one of the foremost global pastors um, of, 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 of all of history. And so just would, would want to, to glean anything I could from him to learn, to learn from him. Yeah. What a great guy to learn from, right? Yeah. yeah. And have a meal with him. I mean, that would just be fantastic. Yeah. So, uh, so Kevin, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you, Neil. What a pleasure. I, I hope you had a good time. I had a great time. Okay. Yeah. Just checking. <laughs> I want to do two things though. All right. Go Let's ahead. Two things as we wrap up. We're going to go to Ding Dong together and watch a basketball game. My treat. You just get to North Carolina and I'll make the tickets happen. Um, but then let's go to India. I would love to go to both places because I would love yeah. to go and wear like other people's shoes, yeah. t-shirts or sweatshirts yeah. or some, some sort. I'd get you one too. So we'd be yeah. like 20. We can record a podcast in India. Oh, how fun yeah. would that be? Would and be then great. I would love for like somebody to walk up to me and go, yeah, I've listened to your show. I know. Like that would like be for me a dream come true to meet somebody from India who has listened to the show to say, hey, your show's made an impact. If we could end this show with you're going to be in this location in India next week, you would definitely have people waiting for you when you got there. I w- yeah. That would be fantastic. So let me just say this to my India friends. I don't know you. We've You don't know me. We've never met. But I want to invite you, if you're from India right now, will you do me a favor? Will you just reach out, whether that be on our connections page? Just shoot me a little email. Hey, I listened to your show with Kevin. It was fantastic. Thanks for thinking of us, people of India. Or will you send me a voicemail straight from our website as well? You can do that at OPSpodcast.com. And guys, I just want to remind you of this as we end today's show. Who are you affecting? Who are you really going to affect? Now, I said we could easily say February is the moment of craziness. It's the moment of crazy. Right? We could call it that as I let off the show. But really, it is the season of love. Like people are going to get flowers. People are going to, you know, do the cards and the candy and all that. There's some generosity that goes with that. But more than that, who are you going to spend time impacting today? And will it have a lasting impact? Or will it just be one of those moments where you send them a text and be like, hey, I, I value you. Thanks. And that's it. No, I want to challenge you today to make an impact where you are. Make that ripple effect, as I say so often. So do that. Let me know, as I said, through our connections page or through our voicemail, OPSpodcast.com. Stay tuned until next week. You're not going to want to miss it. But I just want to remind you of this as we leave. Remember, when you walk in other people's shoes, you really do get a different perspective on life. I want to thank my guest, Kevin, one more time. Guys, thank you again for listening. And again, stay tuned until next week when we walk in other people's shoes. Thank you so much for joining us on Other People's Shoes. As you know, I am your host, Neil Matthews. want to say thank you again to Kevin. Guys, if you're interested in his book, Audacious Generosity, please go check that out now at our website, OPSpodcast.com. Under books that I love, right towards the top as I talked about at the episode, it is available to you right now. And let me tell you, get behind this movement. Now, Kevin did. It's an open invitation for me to go to India me to go to a Tar Heels game, and and I can, I'm just gonna be really candid right now. I'm more excited about going to India and connecting with so many of these amazing people who have taken time to not only download but hopefully listen to the show. and And my challenge is still out there. If you right now, if you're in India and you're listening to this and you're hearing my voice, I would love to know and hear from you. So. And that goes for really anyone. And how can you do that? Of course, OPSpodcast.com. 
is of course a great place to connect with me there. There is a connections page. There is also a way to leave a voicemail. Both ways are an amazing way to connect with me. And of course, you can always connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at OPS Podcast Show. A little different than our website. Before I get out of here, though, I do want to give you a little sneak peek of next week's episode. Let me tell you, you're going to need some keys to unlock this door. And here's a little sneak preview of next week's episode. I think for me, it's when I see the aha moments. You know, I'm working with a client and they're struggling with either um, depression, anxiety, ADHD. I mean, just a number of different issues, um, eating disorders. Um, And I see that aha like I've, I've reached them and it could be weeks, it could be months, but when they're finally on board, because it's hard, it's really hard to work, do the work and try to repair some of that damage. Cause you have to go in and kind of go back in your history and kind of really work and repair some of that stuff, but you've got to face it. That's right. We're going to be sitting down with a very good new friend of mine and her name is Sandra and she's a new author and super excited to not only talk about the work that she's been doing and helping people unlock that proverbial locked door in their life but also getting deep into her story on why she was behind her locked door herself so stay tuned for that that of course will take place on Wednesday that's when all of this starts again so Wednesday mark your calendar or just hit that subscribe button either one And we will be right back in your earbuds or AirPods or headphones, whichever you choose. Just remember this. When you walk in other people's shoes, you really do get a different perspective on life. want to say thank you again for listening and stay tuned till next week when we walk in other people's shoes.